Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Ariella. She has Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and is really having trouble losing weight. In fact, she's been gaining weight ever since her diagnosis. All the things that used to work for her in the past for weight loss are not working anymore. She tried doubling her workouts, but that only made her gain even more weight. She tried a few of the diets that she's used in the past, but they didn't budge anything. She then tried a very, very low calorie and very restrictive diet, and she did lose a few pounds. But because it was so restrictive, she couldn't stick to it for more than a week. Plus, she also worried about the potential negative effects of eating so little, and she was certainly right to do so. She was also having a lot of cravings and just needed to find a solution. She wanted to see exactly what she could do to help her finally lose weight without having to adhere to such an extreme diet. When I met Ariella, I saw how much she was struggling, and I knew exactly where we needed to look to solve her health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Losing weight with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism requires a really holistic approach. It is, of course, partly about what we eat, but even more so how we eat and how everything works together metabolically. And there is quite a bit here, which is why I am so excited to bring on Michael Antonelli so we can talk much more about this. Michael is the founder of Healthgevity, and he helps to translate breakthrough science into advanced nutritional support. He has been a leader in the healthcare professional and nutraceutical industry for many, many years. And as you will hear, he is such a wealth of information. So Michael, welcome to Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid Hashimoto's Revealed. Thank you for having me. What what an honor. We're going to have so much fun today. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited. So So many people with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism struggle to lose weight. Now, supporting their thyroid for their type is huge, really, really big here, but that's not all. 
What are some of the other underlying reasons that people of Hashimoto's have that contributes to that scale just creeping up and that inability to shed those frustrating and pesky pounds? Yeah, when when I was preparing for this and thinking about the listener who's tuning in, you're not alone. So kind of going over some of these underlying drivers. So slow down metabolism is a very common cause, hormonal imbalances, water retention, fatigue, and reduced physical activity because of that, changes in appetite, difficulty in burning fat, medication side effects, and stress and cortisol levels. If you're listening and you've checked the box off of one or more of these, you're not alone. And the good news is, is that we're investigating solutions to help you make this more obtainable. And that is so helpful because honestly, all people want is first to be heard, right? And to be understood and to be able to know that, hey, you know, you're not crazy. You're not alone. Like you said, something is happening. And a lot of times when they see their providers, it'll be chalked up to, well, you're just getting older or it is what it is. So just get used to it. Or they'll hear, okay, just eat less, which you know, doesn't work for everyone because it's hard and because there's all of these other things going on. So I think for people to be able to see, okay, I could check these boxes and yes, there is something to do about it. It's really encouraging. And that is really what we are trying to do. So let's dive into each one of these a little bit deeper. And so that everyone's on the same page, let's talk a little bit about blood sugar. You mentioned that is one of the keys. You know, I think in general, people know, okay, blood sugar, but there's so much more to it when we look at glucose tolerance and insulin. Can you explain a little bit more and tell us how this contributes to weight gain? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about some of these underlying common areas, and it's not just saying one or the other, it's usually a combination of these clusters. So insulin resistance, impaired glucose metabolism, which then increases your risk for type 2 diabetes, and then has a downstream effect on your adrenal glands. For So for those that are thinking about why they're waking up fatigued or crashing in the afternoon or reaching this plateau, it's because of what's happening in the body. So we're in this fight or flight response. And we think about our ancestors who were hunting and gathering, not knowing when their next meal was going to be. So our bodies are trained to hold on to fat instead of burning it because of that. So we need to rewire our bodies. And especially if we have some of these underlying conditions that are accelerating the process we need to find ways that are personalized to our body, our N of one, that could help balance blood sugar throughout the day, dampen cravings. And for some people, that could be right in the morning. It could be that afternoon time. For others, it could be that late night where you always feel like you're going back into the fridge because you know, you're know you not balancing the blood sugar or that's where your body feels like it needs something to continue forth. And so we're starting to look at this tanglement of all these things. Right. Now, let's just back up a little bit and talk about why is it important to balance blood sugar? We know that it is helpful, but why? Because there are some people who may be new to this or it may not be familiar. And sometimes, you know, when I talk to people, they've heard it a million times, but they still don't quite get that. Like, yeah, yeah, blood sugar, I know. And I'm like, well, do you know? And they're like, well, okay, explain it to me. <laughs> so I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we think about blood sugar and for a lot of people that are fasting or doing these time-restricted eating cycles, I go back to people like the sumo wrestlers who are trained to eat one large meal a day to gain weight. We're really seeing that some for some people, small meals throughout the day to help 
balanced blood sugar, right? Keep glucose in where it needs to be and in the right levels to help fuel the body, right? Just enough to allow the body to perform what needs to happen. And so identifying where the problem times are and then figuring out lifestyle programs to go around that to help offset and reduce the likelihood of when the spikes are happening. I mean, luckily now there's technology from blood chemistry to even glucose continuing monitors where we can have a look under the hood better than we could have even a decade ago. So luckily there's technology and ways to identify, are you one with this problem? And times of day of one, it's at its height. And then we can work backwards on, well, how do we support? What can we do? Now, backing up a little bit more to that, because I know my listeners can be thinking, okay, well, first, what causes blood sugar spikes? And second, why are blood sugar spikes bad? How does that lead to weight gain or does it lead to weight gain? What we're seeing the data showing is that it does, right? So blood sugar spikes could be even like if everyone is listening and and you go without breakfast or lunch and you get this headache. You're like, oh, I, I got to eat, right? You, you got to, or if you even have someone who has type two or type one diabetes and they have this blood sugar crash or their monitor goes off and they chug orange juice or eat something sweet, right? It's to give the body sugar to help resolve something happening. And so when we look deeper at blood sugar and why it's important, this also goes back to, and this is a whole other area if you want to dive into, is this brown versus white fat and what's happening in our bodies that could also be contributing to weight gain or weight loss resistance and why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. And just to kind of wrap up the other part, you know, the goal for us is to keep that blood sugar not too low and not too high, because if it's too low, we don't feel well, we're feeling tired or hangry and we want to raise it, but just enough. So it's in a balanced level, because if we do something where we're eating a higher sugar meal or a high carb meal without proper amounts of fat or protein, or ideally both, then the blood sugar gets too high. And that might feel good temporarily because we feel energy. And, you know, sometimes people almost feel a little bit wired, which may not be as good, but some people like that feeling for a short amount of time. But what's happening metabolically is really more negative in the body because the body then has to produce insulin to bring that blood sugar down because the body doesn't like having a blood sugar that's higher than what the norm is. And it's that overproduction of insulin that then creates issues with weight. So this is something that is really important for people to know, because as much as people say, yeah, yeah, I know, they don't quite understand, you know, how it actually works. And so with this, let's talk about the different types of fat and how that plays in. And identifying even hormones that are responsible for a lot of this. So looking at the white versus brown fat, right? We want more brown fat. That's metabolically active fat. You know, it's where the mitochondrial are thriving and white fat is fat that are there to store, storage fat. And getting back to our ancestors that didn't know where their next meal was going, we were trained to accumulate more white fat. This is metabolically inactive fat. It's more harmful, potentially dangerous, dangerous, and the tricky fat to get off. And so, you know, this is where if, if you're into biohacking or looking at ways to activate the unhealthy fat or beijing white fat is, is what it's referred to as, we look at a few really common things, cold exposure, right? You see a lot of big people, a lot of craze now jumping in these ice baths. Exercise also could help activate this unhealthy fat, intermittent fasting and calorie restriction, right? These are four things that you, you might've been touching on, your listeners are already familiar with, but this is why 
they're beneficial, right? So when we think about balancing glycemic or the glycemic levels from food choices and macro and micro balancing, there's these other things happening to stabilize blood sugar, make sure that insulin resistance is, is a thing in the past for us, right? And, and seeing what your body best responds to. So going back then to the white and brown fat, we want more brown fat because it's more active. And you said that there is mitochondria there, which are like the batteries in the cells. And then the white fat is really kind of there as emergency, right? Just in case you never eat again, or in case you're in some type of a stressful or traumatic situation, it's there to then give you that needed energy or other fuel sources, right? That's right. And that's the fat that tends to be harder to take off because from a logical perspective, the body doesn't want to get rid of it because it's the emergency stockpile there, right? Like we always want to have that. So it makes a lot of sense that we want to try to activate it and really tell the body in a sense, hey, you know, we're not in an emergency. We don't need such a big stockpile of things. You know, even if there is an emergency, we don't need that much of it. Absolutely. And looking at ways on how we can best wake up that fat, right? So let the body signal it that you don't need as much. Let's start burning that, turn it into energy. And then you get this downstream effect where when your blood sugar is balanced, you're feeling better, you're thinking clearer, you're less fatigued, and now you're more willing and ready to put your body in a position to maybe go out and start walking, start moving. Exercise can mean so much to different people. It doesn't you know, mean going to CrossFit five times a week. For some, it's just going out walking for 20, 30 minutes, and that's a great first step. But it's getting our bodies in that position to be ready to make a change and put our bodies in the best position to thrive naturally. Now, one of the things you mentioned is when our blood sugar is more balanced, that that can happen and we want to avoid insulin resistance. Now, we talked about insulin and why we don't want too much insulin because the body sees that it's more inflammatory. But can you explain a little bit more about exactly how someone would get insulin resistance? And again, I know for some, this may be a review, but I think for others, as much as people say, yeah, yeah, I understand it, they may have been kind of quote unquote diagnosed with it, but they don't still quite get it. Because oftentimes what a lot of providers will say, oh, you have insulin resistance, just don't eat carbs. Okay, fine. But what does that actually mean? Is that even true? Is that really what we want to do? Of course. And there's a strong correlation in the literature about hypothyroidism and insulin resistance. And so insulin's there as a hormone to regulate blood sugar and uptaking glucose into the cells. But in cases, let's say with someone with clinical hypothyroidism, there's reduced sensitivity to that leading to higher blood sugar levels, which then contributes to weight gain. And it puts the body in a trickier position to manage blood sugar uh, day in and day out. And so looking at underlying cause, we want to be supporting insulin and balancing that because of the domino effect, not just insulin, but we start looking at things like leptin and ghrelin and adiponectin, these other hormones that are critical into this bigger picture of, again, why somebody is metabolically not as fit or healthy as they want to be or should be. So these other hormones, ghrelin, leptin, what are those? Uh, people, again, may have heard the names, maybe on other podcasts or maybe reading things on social media, but what do they mean? And how are they helpful to us? And what can we do to support them? So we, we look at something like leptin, right? A hormone produced by our fat cells, and it is critical at regulating weight and energy. 
in the body. So it's also a backbone of appetite regulation. So leptin, if you don't have the right levels or you're not modulating the right level that your body needs, you might be eating more than you want to or having cravings when you want to. Metabolic rate, critical for those that want to burn more fat daily, right? Their daily metabolic rate on its own and, and how to increase that. But also signaling to the body when to store and when to use fat. Leptin is going to come up in that as a, as a critical hormone for that. Also, reproductive health. So we start looking at people that might have hypothyroid and also is having issues getting pregnant. There's a correlation of leptin being supportive there if we can modulate the right level for the body. And then again, as we hit on earlier, the role of leptin and insulin sensitivity and that as a driving factor. Right. So the more balanced leptin levels are, the better insulin sensitivity will be. Yes. And that's why it's one of the major areas that we're continuously trying to explore ways to naturally modulate this particular hormone in anything we do. And so, yeah, that, that's one of the major drivers of, of research and looking at real world experience of what's moving the needle there. And that's really, really helpful to know, because I don't know if everyone has connected those two things. And, you know, I think even just going back to insulin, so often we hear, okay, well, we don't want so much insulin, it's inflammatory, but just like cortisol, which is our stress hormone, it's all about balance. We don't want insulin to be too low either. We need some because it has a job to do in the body. We just don't want too much. And the more resistant we become to it, meaning that our bodies just aren't understanding or accepting it properly, then we need more and more of it to do the same job that maybe did five years ago with half the amount. And that's what we don't want. Similar in that same conversation is ghrelin, which is another hormone that's playing a key role in appetite regulation and energy balance, but similar crossover to leptin, right? So we look at appetite stimulation or modulation to lower it, depending on what you need and what your goal is. We look at regulation of energy in the body, stimulation of growth hormone release, influence of fat storage, regulation of blood glucose, and even stress response. That's another big hormone to look at ways of naturally modulating. So we hit on leptin, and now we just talked about ghrelin. And is ghrelin also produced by the fat cells the way leptin is? Yeah, and, and it both really responsible for satiety. So there's some novel ways on helping the body either make more or make less depending on where your body is and where it needs to be to be in its best position to feel its best. So are there any lifestyle modifications and changes that can affect leptin and ghrelin? Yes. So when we think about things that can influence these levels, right? High fiber diet, low glycemic foods, and we think about carbohydrates and fats, healthy fats, healthy carbohydrates to help balance the release. So, and, and for some people that's eating small meals throughout the day, exercise is one of the best things you could do for a lot of what we're talking today. But if you're fatigued, you're, you're not even willing to, to move, we, we, we got to, again, define what that step is for you, right? What is exercise? What is body movement for you? But that exercise and healthy eating is the backbone of everything we do. Because at the end of the day, supplements are what they are. They're supplement to these other major drivers. But in combination, we see incredible impact in assisting those listening to reach and maintain their health goals. Now, in terms of 
nutrients? Are there specific herbs or vitamins or minerals or other compounds that can be specifically helpful for leptin and ghrelin and to kind of help to increase satiety and balance some of those cravings? Yes. And, and where we're seeing is a, is a big buzzword right now that's making profound impact on leptin and ghrelin. And those are peptides. So I'm not sure it, we, we could kind of take a step back and talk about peptides, but it seems it's really hard to listen to different podcasts, different media about the role of peptides. And there's a lot of different peptides and they all do incredible things, but they're activators in the body and they're small chains of amino acids. And, and happy to ex, you know, dive in deeper about the particular peptides we have have explored and investigated that have the effect that we're discussing on leptin and ghrelin levels in the body. Yeah, no, we would love to hear that. So peptides activate different cells in the body. And what you're saying is there are specific peptides that have an effect on leptin and ghrelin. So yes, please tell us about those. Yeah, so the particular peptide matrix that we're talking about is referred to as DNF10. And there's different dosing of peptides. This is a particular matrix of different peptides together that short-term when taken are impacting and modulating ghrelin levels. But over time, and there's multiple human studies confirming this, where we're seeing leptin levels being modulated and improved with this particular peptide that really helps modulate appetite if that's the goal, right? And, and so we can look at, and, and, and I would love to actually talk about one of the studies that I get so excited about when we were referencing, you know, we kind of take a step back when we identify the target intended and look at how many people are suffering from this intended target. When we look at metabolic efficacy, right now we're seeing 8.5% out of 10 people are metabolically unhealthy. That's a huge need. And so looking at what are these major drivers that we've already talked about today, this particular peptide is showing great impact on leptin and ghrelin and metabolic dysfunction. So in this study that was published, 135 people in this study, large group, consuming 500 milligrams a day of this particular peptide. In over eight weeks, the average participant consumed 600 less calories a day just by 500 milligrams of this peptide. So Peptides are incredible signalers, incredible activators, but they're also there just in case. So, you know, peptides have a great safety profile because I think of it like the Roomba vacuum, right? And that thing that is working around the floor, if there's something to pick up, it picks up. But if not, it continues to move and look for something to pick up. That's what peptides are in our body. These are phenomenal, you know, therapies and solutions, depending on what you need and how you need it. And for how long? And so this is coming in and doing a lot of the heavy lifting early on to make these significant changes in our body. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like your Roomba analogy because the other thing with Roomba is that if it sees a wall, it's not going to crash right into it. It might kind of just see it there and then it'll literally just and pivot. And then you could put up those virtual walls for it too. So that's actually a really great analogy. I love it. And it's really unique when you can lean on these peptides short term to put your body in a better state to feel sustained long-term. So you're making better food choices easier. That in turn, we talked about, gives you more energy to start moving more, right? So these are there to be a heavy hammer to drop, to wake our bodies up, to facilitate a change that we are desired or needing. 
And so that's one of the ingredients that we really, really were intrigued by in the literature. And now we're seeing real world application from health professionals all over the United States that are using this and getting incredible feedback to us that in addition to the literature, because the literature is only a guidance, right? What does it really mean in the real world? And to see that translate and be confirmed has been really exciting to see how many people it's helping. Yeah, that's amazing. And what you're saying is that typically it's not something that has to be used forever. It's used short term. And I love how you said that, you know, it's going to give you that boost so that then you have better energy so that then you don't need as much. So then you can exercise, right? And it's this whole like, you know, ball that spirals upwards versus down. But then with that said, it also sounds like you're saying because it modulates it, you don't need it long-term because then the body kind of gets going. So I'm assuming that means that you don't necessarily just go back to eating a ton after because that modulation already did its job. Is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're giving the body the confidence it's striving for to see that it can function with better choices. And it's not as reliant on the processed foods or the high sugar that maybe you were craving and, and counting on to get you through the day. And then it frees you up to then say, okay, I can do this and continue to move forward. That's what's so incredible about these solutions to tap into and pulse into your wellness regimen when needed. Yeah. Now, when we talk about weight loss, it's also, I think, important that, you know, we're not just looking at the overall pounds that we lose on the scale, it's the fat. And, you know, like you mentioned, also, it's really the white fat that's harder to lose that we want to target because that's not really doing any of us any good. And, you know, it's not the muscle in the water that we want to lose. And so it's really helpful to know that there's things that target that. There is another thing that we've talked about called AMPK. Can you talk a little bit about that and how this fits into everything? Yeah, absolutely. So in building on some of those hormones, we we look at now what some people are referring to as AMPK. And so if this is a new word to you as a listener, AMP, activated protein kinase. And this is an enzyme that's playing a critical role in how our cells are using energy. It's playing a critical role in metabolic regulation. It's also helping regulate glucose, another reoccurring theme on our, our call today, right, in, in our podcast, but also helping with lipid metabolism, protein synthesis as well. So it's there to help restore energy homeostasis in the body. And when we think about some of these core themes of longevity and health span and where a lot of the literature is pointing, it's helping the body activate more AMPK than what it was doing prior to therapy. And so we're constantly looking at ways of naturally helping the body boost and activate AMPK on a daily basis for all those reasons we just went over. Yeah. And so with that, obviously the lifestyle is going to play a role. And what about from an herbal perspective or a nutrient perspective? Yeah, there, there's a few things, especially in the botanical toolbox that have been shown to activate AMPK. One that is very well known and tons of literature, large safety profile, which is really critical when we are looking at uh, the, the research is bitter melon. And there's a lot of different forms when we're talking about herbs and botanicals. There's, uh, you know, 10 to 1 extracts, different ratios. Bitter melon, especially trademarked bitter melon, we call factor 21, which is harvested in India only a handful of times a year. So this is harvested 
three times a year using some of the finest farming processes possible. And what we're finding is a very active, clean, organic bitter melon. And especially at the right doses, usually the literature in bitter melon showing anywhere from 100 to 500 milligrams of bitter melon. I like a little bit more than less. So I like 500 milligrams. But what we're seeing is that it's regulating a natural hormone in our bodies called fibroblast growth factor 21. And it's also activating AMPK. And downstream, we're seeing it help balance glucose levels in the body and help improve insulin secreted that drives glucose out of the bloodstream and inhibit fat cell growth. So that's one of them. An another one that comes up is uh, actoponin that also has been shown in multiple studies to activate AMPK levels. And then there's additional herbs, right? We look at another ingredient called Inuslim that has multiple human studies on activating AMPK, but also modulating another hormone we, we haven't talked about yet, but actoponin levels, which is helping the body increase more calories burned while decreasing the amount of calories intake, right? So hitting on satiety, decreasing appetite and decreasing glucose absorbed. So this is the hormone that is activated when people exercise as well, right? Because we burn more after a workout, especially if it's more of a weight type of workout. Yes. Yeah. And, and that even, we haven't even talked about one of my you know, other areas about how we're beiging white fat while activating hormones post-workout. So I don't know if you want me to yeah. share about this Sweet. incredible. You're just such a wealth of information. Tell us everything because people want to know. They want to know what these things are that can help them to lose weight in a way that, again, is safe and effective and metabolically good for them, you know, because this isn't just, oh, you know, you're giving us these herbs that are going to work like diet pills. That's not the point. The point is we want to lose weight and we want to make sure that we are actually helping the body at the same time. Otherwise, what's the point? Totally. We're you know, always investigating on ways to support multiple pathways within the body, cast this wide net. It's unlike the pharmaceutical model, right? Where it's one target in mind. It may or may not work, right? You turn the lights off in a room and you walk in it, you, you may get to where you want to go, but might not be the best way to do it. And so by casting this wide net in our body, by looking at multiple underlying causes of the dysfunction, we're increasing our likelihood of getting the desired result. And so one ingredient uh, that I was floored by when I started reading about it and investigating it, it almost didn't feel real, right? L-BABA. And for many, it's maybe the first time you're hearing about L-BABA. It is a metabolite of L-valine. And we only produce L-BABA during high intense workouts. And that's it. And we have found one company in the world that found the patent and way to synthesize supplemental L-BABA in the body that you could take on days, let's say you don't exercise. So it is referred to as the exercise mimicker, but on days you are moving and exercising, it's augmenting and increasing the production. And so all that great feel-good result from exercise and the beijing of white fat and increasing thermogenesis that's happening, along with activating AMPK, you're getting by L-BABA. That is so cool because that is not something that is really talked about a lot. And as you're saying, it's a metabolite of L-valine, which is an amino acid. And that is released in higher amounts when someone's exercising. 
Yes. And so if you're listening and thinking that you just found the get out of exercising card, that is not what we're talking about. Again, this this is there to support these critical things like exercise and eating right. Uh, but L-BABA, and where we're seeing the data show is anywhere from 250 to 500 milligrams is what's critical dosing to 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 use it. And it, it was hard to find. And you know, when we kept reading about it, we're like, this makes so much sense with pairing things like those satiety peptides or the bitter melon or those other botanicals that are all coming together to be this synergy of change in the body. And that sounds like an amazing ingredient. And I think the synergy part is is really the important part here because everything is so interrelated in the body. When we talk about thyroid, we're not just talking about, okay, you need enough thyroid hormone. Yes, you absolutely do. And the hormone has to support your thyroid type, but we also want to make sure that you are absorbing it, that you are properly using it, that if you have Hashimoto's, which most people with hypothyroidism do, about 90% of people with Hashimoto's do, with hypothyroidism, excuse me, have Hashimoto's, we have to also then balance the immune system, right? So, and there's so many different triggers and we kind of look at this whole orchestra of things. And so the same thing goes with metabolic issues and weight loss. I mean, that's why for most people, you know, just doing one thing is not enough. But if you look at them together as a synergy, you're going to have a better effect. That's really helpful. Yeah. And and also a key takeaway when we look at synergies is making sure that the dosing is mimicking what the literature is showing properly. Because there's just a lot of options out there that are window dressing, right? To more market. But when we look at it, that's why I'm highlighting ideal therapeutic doses to match the literature and bringing this back full circle. So again, it's incredible synergies, having ingredients team up together to then create this really wide net in the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what's going to get us the results that we're all striving for. Yeah, that's very helpful. Now, another ingredient that has been pretty popular recently is berberine. And for those who may not be familiar, berberine is something that has been studied. I mean, people used to talk about berberine more for GI health, and it's still helpful for GI health and uh, cleansing different types of bacteria and microbes. But there's a lot of research on berberine and blood sugar support. But what was so interesting is in what you were talking about, you know, that people use things and, you know, with marketing, oh, berberine, here's some berberine, right? It may not be enough, but there's also different types of berberine, which a lot of people may not realize. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the differences between them? Yeah, g- great point. And uh, this is why berberine is being referred to as nature's ozempic with its profound impact in blood sugar regulation and gut health, which is a very major part of the bigger picture. The problem with berberine is in order for you to get the levels required to be meaningful therapeutically or to match what's in the literature, many people will have GI upset on high levels of berberine. We're saying, you know, one gram to 1500 milligrams is the sweet spot for standard berberine. So we started investigating and researching, are there better forms? Are there a better way to do this to accomplish everything that berberine does? Because there's no shortage of incredible research publications and feedback on a clinical level of what berberine does that you hit on earlier. And we did find it. So berberine and why it causes GI complications is that once it reaches the gut, it converts into dihydroberberine. And so we were working with researchers that looked at possibilities of delivering the body-ready form of berberine, which is called dihydroberberine. 
And they found a way to synthesize and create dihydroberberine. And in the studies, when comparing these head to head, there were some major takeaways. The first they found was that dihydroberberine is absorbed five times greater than standard berberine. What they also found was that the half-life or the activity of dihydroberberine was twice as long, so eight hours instead of four. So that blood sugar regulation, the satiety, all these incredible things we're talking about lasted longer. So you don't need as, as high of a dose. And you also avoided any potential GI complications that so many people were experiencing. So dihydroberberine, if that isn't on your radar or a part of your supplement reg regimen, I urge you to take a look at it and consider it. Levels of dihydroberberine ideally should be 100 to 300 milligrams, but 200 milligrams for many seem to be the sweet spot of activity that has shown a positive impact. And that's so good to know only because most companies are going to have 500 or more of regular berberine and then people are getting stomach upset, like you said, or they're actually spending more money to get more of something that is going to get converted down to the active ingredient anyway. And they're putting a lot of faith in the health of their gut to actually be critical on transforming berberine into dihydroberberine, which is, I know, is probably a whole other podcast for us to talk about the microbiome and, and the critical updates around that. Yeah, no, but that's a really good point, right? Because, and it's with so many things, you know, even B vitamins, if you don't take them in their active form, right, you have to activate them. You have to have the right enzymes. You have to have the right genetic predisposition for that. You know, it's it's similar to eating foods, but then you have to break them and absorb those foods. So it's the same kind of idea. We can't say, oh, I ate a carrot today. I should have enough vitamin E and vitamin A. Well, maybe, but what if you're not digesting, right? What if you have a hundred different things downstream that are happening from microbiome to bile to stomach acid to, you know, you name it. So yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Now, speaking of synergy, I know we talked about a lot of these really interesting ingredients. For a lot of people, these were very new ingredients that they may not have been familiar with. So it's just so helpful to see. But I know that it is probably going to be hard to go and source all of these individually, especially because not everyone is a scientist and a researcher and you know has access to some of these manufacturers. So I know that you have been working really tirelessly to try to get all of that together and you have. So tell us a bit more about a way that we could get them all together in one. Yes. Well, you know, be working with incredible healthcare providers like you for a long time, you start seeing consistent areas of why people don't succeed on their regimen. And that's usually compliance and convenience. So we just listed several ingredients. How do you find it? How do you know, do I have to take them all at once? And so by taking the guesswork out, we have streamlined all these critical ingredients at the right doses to hit on body composition, blood glucose levels, insulin resistance, ghrelin, leptin, activating AMPK, activating thermogenesis without stimulation, all of these things critical to help put our bodies in a better position to thrive. Yeah, that's amazing. And this product is something that I have been using with a lot of my clients and actually using myself as well. It's called Ignite, which I am going to put a link in the show notes for you guys. But 
all of the ingredients that Michael and I discussed are actually in there in their exact dosages. And um, I'll put a discount code for you guys there as well. Obviously, of course, always check with your doctor before beginning anything new. And as long as your doctor is okay, if you are struggling to lose weight, if you have autoimmune issues, if you have hypothyroidism, it makes it harder. So this is something that you could see as just, you know, a friend that's going to help you along, but actually also helps to improve things metabolically and help your body at the same time versus doing a diet pill or something that's going to give you possible results, but at a cost, right? And then when you stop, it goes back. That's not really what we want. I mean, that's what fat fat diets do, right? You know, we lose weight. A lot of times it's just water anyway, or muscle. We're not losing that white fat that Michael's talking about. You hit it right on. You know, it's losing the the right fat, right? So helping beige the white fat while maintaining muscle. There's a lot of gimmicks out there, a lot of fads. Water weight and muscle weight usually is what's being lost, which is uh, not the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to keep our muscle. It's one of the biggest drivers of accelerating aging. And so definitely take give this formula a look. It's one of, the, in my view, the most unique combination for this particular target. Uh, you're going to see some incredible groundbreaking ingredients at the right doses teaming up together. Um, and I think looking at dosing based on your exact health goals or when it's the big problem time zone, some it's first in the morning, some it could be at night. For those, it's all day, right? So, you know, maybe spacing out the three capsules, but uh, definitely get creative on how your body best responds. Listen in. And when you say listen in, because this, again, is something that some people are very tuned into and other people may not really know exactly what they're looking for. So when we say, listen in, are you referring to how hungry you feel, how much energy you feel? Give us a little bit more insight on that. Yeah. And and both, right? So if you're, I always say, what's your number one health goal when tapping into a solution? So for this, you may be saying, well, I want to eat less. I want to dampen my cravings all day. Well, that's great. This is a formula to consider. In that case, the more you take at once, the more profound effect it's going to have ha- have on those those uh, hormones we outlined earlier. For those that are saying, "Well, I have a glucose monitor, my glucose is a roller coaster all day," then spreading out this formula throughout the day. So let's just say, for example, one capsule three times a day before a meal. So if you're having three meals a day, that's one before breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That will be a great starting point to see, is it making the difference desire, right? Am I having more energy throughout the day? Am I craving less? Am I eating less? And and so, and it's not to say that your original dose doesn't change. You may say, hey, it's Friday night. I'm going out with friends. I know I'm going to have a cheat meal. You could stack the deck and take more Ignite prior to that carb-heavy processed meal that the restaurant you know, controls and you don't have the ability to source organically or grass fed and all that. And so you can f- have flexibility in the dose day to day is the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. That's very helpful. Now, a lot of people with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's are feeling very fatigued. So most people welcome that energy. However, there are some people who have periods where they're fatigued, but also periods where they are feeling anxiety or feeling a little bit wired that can happen with Hashimoto's flares and just with the different fluctuations of thyroid hormone. Now, you mentioned that the thermogenesis that the product provides is non-stimulating. And so 
that would mean that that wouldn't contribute to some of the wired anxiety type of feelings that they might already have. Is that correct? That's right. And, and, and one of the ingredients we, we haven't talked about that's responsible for the non-stimulatory thermogenesis is an ingredient called grains of paradise, which is in the ginger family. And really, really incredible data here because what we've seen at just 40 milligrams is that it puts the body in a position of burning fat in a rate of 100 calories a day with no lifestyle change just by 40 milligrams. It's also shown to increase metabolic rate and helping beige that crazy, hard-to-burn white fat. And so a lot of what we're talking about with Albay, but these grains of paradise that is found in the ginger family, and it's in a lot of the foods that, you know, maybe, you know, Indian food, for example. So yes, no stimulation, but all the benefits of what some of those ingredients you might have used over the years uh, we're bringing to the table. Yeah, no, that is great to know. And I think the, the other big thing is just having it all in one place, because our time is valuable. Our money is valuable, right? So if we were to try to take a little this, a little this, a little this, it's a lot of effort and it gets very costly. So to get the things that we need in the right dosages that have been studied and have published research on a suit, because a lot of things, you know, someone says something, someone else says something, right? And you're like, well, where is this really documented, right? These are documented, published research in the specific dosages and are all in one. And then that synergy of working together, I think is really, really big. So I will put a link um, in the show notes to the product. I'll put a discount code there for you as well, if anyone wanted to try that. But if you are having trouble losing weight, and it doesn't matter if you're having trouble losing five pounds, or 100 pounds, right? You still, you know, typically the last little bit is even harder to lose. But even if you have more weight to lose, obviously you would have even better results then. But even if it's just a little bit, that also is going to be helpful because it's that that straw that needs to like, you know, shift in the right direction, so to speak. Yeah, again, seven ingredients, all with human studies on it, at the right doses, all working together. And I think it's, it's so exciting because Many of us know about things like berberine and might have had great experience with it. So to see that ju that just being one component of a bigger matrix that are going to go in and, and be there when you need it is uh, hopefully here to help the person that's listening that is ready for change and positive direction as we kick off the new year. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all of this information and you educating us and telling us about all of these ingredients that are new to a lot of people and, you know, really helping us understand that relationship between all of these different hormones that we might have heard about, but didn't realize how they actually fit together and make things happen. So thank you so much. And I look forward to staying connected with you. Thank you so much for having me today and looking forward to the future and hopefully getting together again and doing this. As you just heard, there are several very key things that are involved in properly burning fat and losing weight. In Ariella's case, I wanted to look at and support each of these key things so that we can see the scale move while also helping her improve her metabolic markers and overall health. If someone has hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, I always start there first. So I ran detailed blood work and we figured out her thyroid type. She, like so many people that I see both in the practice and in my community, was not supporting her thyroid for her type. She was the unavailable thyroid type. And what that means is that she had enough thyroid hormones, but her body was not able to use them properly. And so we worked on supporting that. 
And by the way, if you're not sure about your thyroid type and want to learn more about that, please be sure that you are on my mailing list. I do Hashimoto support calls and different trainings on thyroid typing. So if you're on my mailing list, you will know when our next support call is going to be. Now, additionally for Ariella, we saw that she had several Hashimoto's triggers that have not been addressed yet. And it was very important that we calm her immune system so that we can stop the attack on her thyroid. And so we started working on those. She had Epstein-Barr virus, she had H. pylori, as well as some overgrowth of candida in her gut. I knew that it was going to take a few months to work on all of these things, but I wanted Ariella to see results with her weight right away because I know how frustrated she's been over the last few years. We also wanted to make some diet changes and really make sure that she's burning fat properly. And so for all of those reasons, I started Ariella on the Ignite supplement that we just discussed with Michael. It is such an amazing addition and works so well and so quickly with everything else that we were doing. What I especially love about Ignite is that it's not a Band-Aid. So it's not this quick fix like a diet pill. It actually helps to balance so many different metabolic pathways. So it helps and works for weight loss quickly and also works really well for cravings, but it does it by actually balancing the body versus some type of a fad diet or some type of other quick fix that's more of a Band-Aid. Within just a few days, yes, a few days, Ariella noticed her cravings significantly subsided and she was able to feel full after eating less food than usual. This was a huge win and it really helped her easily stick to her plan that we put together for her. She had more energy and she was able to excel at her workouts and instead of gaining weight from the workouts like before, she started to finally lose it. She was so, so excited. She was down 10 pounds when I saw her next, just a month later. We are continuing on the Ignite supplement and the plan, and we're going to use it for three to four months while we continue to support her Hashimoto's triggers so that she can lose the other 25 pounds that she wants to, to get to her goal weight. If Ariella sounds like you, please make sure that you're supporting your thyroid for your type. And please also take a look at the Ignite supplement after, of course, you share it with your doctor, as this can be the thing that can finally move the needle for you. We also have a 10% discount on our website if you wanted to try Ignite. Just enter code IGNITE at checkout and you'll get 10% off as well as free shipping. You'll see everything on our practice website, which is completenutritionandwellness.com slash shop. Now, also you could see the exact link to the supplement and the discount code in the show notes. And you can access the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening to this podcast or directly on our podcast website, healthmysteriessolved.com. And if Ariella sounds like someone you know, please be sure that you share this episode with them so they too will see how much they can do to help to improve their health and how the answers really are out there and there is hope. 
I have a lot of really exciting episodes coming back. Dr. William Davis, the author of Wheat Bellies, back on the show. We have Dr. Kathleen King from Primal Trust and a lot of amazing guests, as well as some really interesting solos. So please be sure that you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. As always, please remember, the answers to your health issues are out there. We just have to look in the right place. And whether you're newly diagnosed with Hashimoto's or you've had Hashimoto's and thyroid issues for a while, there is something always here for you. And I look forward to staying connected and I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.